Vibe Machine everyone, Josh Keefe here from Undercovers Podcast, and you're about to listen to Brandon Reich talk about Weezer's Black Album, the iconic Black Album that he created the artwork and full design for, along with the Smashing Pumpkins shining oh so bright that he was the album designer and packager for. Now, if you've been paying attention to this series, you'll know that Brandon has also created album art for 21 Pilots, Under Oath, Beartooth, and so many more. If you haven't paid attention to those episodes or you haven't heard them yet, please go back and have a listen to them. It'll make the whole story make sense. You'll get to understand where Brandon came from, where he's heading, and how this album artwork all fits together in the grand scheme of things. Now, right now, we're going to check out Weezer's Black Album, and like I said, we'll follow that up with the Smashing Pumpkins, Shiny and Oh So Bright. Vibe Machine Weezer the Black Album, the, the much fabled Black Album that seems to have been coming forever is here. And the way that I've sort of looked at it, and, and once I started getting into who you are and what you do, I sort of thought about the Black Album as like, you know what? Brandon's really great at taking a, a single colour and making it the narrative. And when Weezer came with the Black, he went, you know what? I'm going to take that Black Element, but I'm going to double down on it. I'm going to make yeah. <laughs> an extra How can I get it more layer. Black? Very spinal yeah. tap, and very... How can I get this as black <laughs> as I can possibly get it? I've got spinal yeah, tap and Metallica written down here. <laughs> but yeah. my, my, my point, <laughs> and I'm sure it's where, where you went initially, was with Metallica, and I, I've spoken to the artist who did, Roger Gorman, who did Metallica's Blackout, and... On his episode of the podcast, he talks about when the band came and said, we want the Black Album, he, he doubled down and he went, you know what, we're going to get the Metallica logo and we're going to paint it black. And he, they kept coming back with shades black and the band would go, no, blacker, 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 till it was almost indecipher, indecipherable. And my question is, is that an approach that you looked at with Weezer where you went, you know what, we're going to double down on, if, you, if this is the Black Album, this is what it's about. It's all about the black. Definitely. I mean, it was, there's criteria <laughs> for the color albums, you know, like Weezer Blue yeah. was a life-changing album for me too. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that was, yes. we dress, we dress like the dudes on the cover that when we first started a band, we just, we went to the thrift store, wore the same stuff that they wore on the cover of Weezer Blue. So, yep. I mean, it, again, it's another full circle moment of, holy crap, you actually get to design a cover for Weezer. But mm. the criteria for a color album, number one, it was the much anticipated black album. So we knew it had to be awesome. <laughs> we knew we couldn't like, we couldn't really do the, the same criteria, but the criteria was the band names on the cover and the band is on, on the cover. And there is a prominent mm. color on the cover. Right. Mm. So with those things, I'm yep. like, well, if we put those dudes on the cover, it's only going to break up how black the cover is. So let's just pour black goo all over the band. Do you think they'd be into that? And that was, that was the conversation between me and Joel and our art director, Nate. And we're all in the conversation. And like, when I said that, they were like, it's exactly what I was thinking. So all three of us were basically like, we got to cover them in black goo. There's really no other way to do this. So um, of all bands, of all bands to have that idea for it's Weezer and Weezer are down for anything. I remember their manager was telling us, one time they were at a festival or something, and then Rivers turned to him and said, uh, hey, I think I'm going to wear an Elvis costume for this one. They're like, okay, cool. <laughs> so it was this idea that these guys will do anything. And um, asking to cover in Black Goo may have been like a weird request for other bands. They were like, yeah, that's fine. Let's do that. That's great. 
So, um, <laughs> but in the meantime, in the meantime, we had to hustle and get other stuff done. So we had to get a single cover made for Can't Knock the Hustle. Um, yes. So what I actually did, and I live in Columbus, Ohio, and, and Joel, my business partner, lives in Tampa, Florida. So we, and then of course, everybody is in New York and LA. All the bands are in New York and LA. So we just fly to New York yep. and LA as much as we can. So um, essentially, I was like, okay, we're not, we need a single cover. I don't want to stray from the from the brand for, that we've already come up with that much. We haven't actually got to cover the band in Black Goo yet, but I really just want to use their W Weezer logo mm. and cover it in Black Goo. So right away, I went to my friend Chris Sully, who's a woodworker here in Columbus, and he cut out the W for me. And um, I had... And I had my neighbor, Allie, come over and help me hold up things. Well, actually, I had her take pictures of me pouring black paint all over this W. And I'm like, just get every angle you possibly can, because obviously I can only do this once. And we were out there for like an hour and a half in my driveway pouring black paint all over this W and getting every angle we could of it. So That's of awesome. those things, um, one became one angle became the cover, the single cover of Can't Knock the Hustle. Um, one, we hung it with strings. This was all within the same hour of doing this. And that became the um, tour poster for their tour with the Pixies. So there's a mm. W hanging there for that cover. And then the back cover of the album is the yes. straight on shot of this W. And so that's the W. So again, it's this idea that we just, our building toolboxes. We got, you know, 500, whatever photos out of that hour. And we had all this stuff to work with later. So we had all these textures of this black goo and all this stuff. So we, we, we had already defined it so much that by the time we actually got to LA to shoot the band, um, it was very clear, like, yeah, there's really only one way this is going to go. And man, they can't, you know, it was so funny. What was so funny about that shoot is I mean, it was pretty amazing to just like, you know, I saw Pat, Pat came in first and I'm like, I think I enter in this other role. Like I'm just a creative director. I'm not a, you know, I don't feel like I'm yeah. a fan of the band, but the truth is, man, like this is life changing that I'm able to even be in the same yeah, yeah. as are Like, and I don't, I yeah, don't forget yeah. that stuff. Like I, I love this. <laughs> so Joel, Joel and I are there in LA. We're about to do this shoot and, um, income all of Weezer and all that stuff. And then like I first meet Rivers and I'm talking to him about some of the clothes that we're going to wear. I'm working with the stylist and it didn't occur to me. Like I was doing all this work with the stylist to get these four separate looks on all four of the guys, very like just getting them perfect and making sure that Hmm. Rivers had pattern on his shirt and then Scott had solids Hmm. on his shirt and then, and then Pat had stripes and then Brian had his jacket, all of these things and making sure the shoes are right, all this stuff. Perfect. But then we're going to pour black paint all over them. So who cares what in the world they're wearing, right? So it was just this funny thing of like, and I feel like it was a week later where like I talked to Joel and we're like, whatever happened to the clothes? Like, and was the stylist super mad that we just poured black paint all over the clothes? Did she realize that all of that stuff was going to be ruined? But I think it wasn't ruined. I think it washed out. Our makeup artist, Chloe, does a good job making sure it was a, uh, well, actually, that's a whole other story. So our makeup artist, Chloe Sins, um, she kind of saved that whole shoot because Brian actually got sick. So we, she had been making all this perfect uh, paint mixture, somewhat food grade so that it would clean off their skin. It wouldn't be toxic, all of that stuff. She was making this perfect mixture that she had to basically 
making five gallon buckets. So she had like six or seven mm. five gallon buckets. So Joel and I fly to LA and we're ready to do the Weezer shoot. Chloe's got her black goo ready to go. We're all good. And then we get a call from the manager and say, Brian is super sick with the flu and he has to stay home for like the next five days. So our whole trip to LA was for nothing. So we go, we kind of just, you know, I think that was a Wednesday and they're like, okay, can you come back Tuesday? And I'm like, you know, it's, and I don't want to, I've got kids at home. I don't want to, I don't want to just fly back on, you know, a week later. But anyways, we did. And we knew that like in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. So, so Chloe then had to figure out a way to refrigerate all of this black goo, figure out a place (laughs) to put it. So she found some restaurant that had a big cooler that would allow her to put six, five gallon buckets of mysterious black goo in there and whatever. So she was like, okay, that's all okay. So then a week passes and we come back out to LA and then Chloe tells us, Hey, the restaurant that all of my stuff um, is at, all the black goo is at, is having a surprise health inspection tomorrow. So I've got to get over there. Yeah. So she had to get over there and get all of that stuff out anyway. We got, we got through all right. Chloe saved the day. She was able to get her black goo out in time before the health inspector came and destroyed it or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, we got it there. And um, so it was, you know, five or six or six or seven five-gallon buckets sitting there full of black goo. And it had been refrigerated for like five, six days at this point. Yeah. So the only problem cold. with that shoot was this <laughs> black goo was freezing cold when we poured it over the guys. And it was such a... So we did a bunch of clean shots before the photo shoot was all clean before, you know, so I guess the, the outfits were used. Um, so we got all of those. And then the moment came when we started pouring the black goo on them. And yes, it was this weird trans transportive moment where those four human beings slowly became mannequins. Like they stayed perfectly still. I remember Scott Amazing. was like breathing out of his nose like a bull because that's the only way he could actually get, you know, he had to blow the black stuff off his nose enough that he could actually inhale again. So we were all really <laughs> like making sure, okay, we're going to pour the black goo on these guys and we've got to get done with this quick. So I timed it and we ended up being 16 minutes with the black goo. And then after all of that, they were able to like wipe it all off. Go go shower all that stuff. So they were only they only had that black paint on them for like 16 minutes. And, that is um, awesome. But it was just this crazy moment where all of us. I think there had to be at least 20 people back there, 15, 20 people back there with um, the management. Had this whole art department that was there. There's stylists. All these different people were there. And man, when they got covered in this black goo, it was just like we entered this other world. And I knew it was going to be perfect. So I just get to, you know, slightly adjust their stance. I know the exact stance, Mm. the exact makeup I want them to be in. And I got, you know, the the photographer was Brennan Walter, and um, he got the exact shot that we wanted. That was it. So the cover image is like, that was the thing that was in our head from the very beginning. It came out perfectly. It was such a great experience. It was a pretty quick, easy project. We did uh, some ad mats. We did some single covers. We did some merchandise collections. We did all that stuff. But um, yeah, man, that one was crazy for me because that's just, you know, I have a lot of pinch me moments in my career and that was certainly one of them. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine it would be. And 
Everyone, once again, if you're listening, go and check out Brennan's website. We've mentioned it a few times. It has the video or a, a snippet of sort of on a loop where the the black goo is getting poured over the band and the look on, on River's face because sort of all the other band members go slightly before him and the look on his face of this is coming and then it comes is is priceless. To For that alone, it is worth it. And you get to see all of the costumes as well. <laughs> but... um. I wanted to jump now to the Smashing Pumpkins, if that's okay with you. You did the album artwork and the packaging and all the design and everything else for Shiny and Oh So Bright. And the thing I love about that artwork is it's all in the eye of the beholder, and you've spoken about that before. And for me, I can see direct parallels with Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. In the fact that, and once again, I spoke to the the gentleman who did that artwork, and on the front of that cover, it's got the the, the two paintings that have been merged together or um, collaged together. And I can sort of see that, and I don't know whether it was a deliberate thing or whether it was subconscious or whether it's just me, but the the front image where it's got the sort of the the angel-y image that has been, you know, cut up, it's got that feel of the bottom and the top half, a bit like the melancholy image. And then I love the fact that it's got the mask being taken off and the face underneath is being hidden, you know, sort of like I'm being exposed, but 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 I want to hide. And reading your bio explanation on your page, I can see I'm sort of in the same direction as the meeting, as the meaning. Was that a narrative that you came up with or was it one that Billy Corgan did or was it a collaborative effort? No, it was, I would give, that credit to Billy. I think um, number one, the illustration was done by our art director, Nate Utesh. So I designed everything, but Nate specifically did the illustration. So it's hard to take credit for the cover, certainly a (laughs) tension division joint, but I'll give full credit to Nate Utesh for designing the cover of that. Obviously all the type and all the logos and all of those decisions. And we, and of course we came up with this whole narrative on what in the world, this figure on the cover would be doing. Mm. Um, and I think Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, I think um, I think Billy was really interested in this kind of Italian art deco, Italian cubist. Like those mm. were kind of the inspiration images that he sent. So a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of that weird, like he he was very influenced by the World's Fair and kind of, you know, what future used to be. Like if you go back to the 30s or whatever, and we talk about like the way the people in the thirties viewed what futurism was, that's a pretty Mm. powerful, like amazing aesthetic. That is a rabbit hole that we enjoyed going down. We didn't want to get too on the nose with it, but it was certainly influenced by that. But I think, you know, we had these long conversations with Billy over the phone. And what I think is intriguing about Billy is that, you know, Billy Corgan is whoever you want Billy Corgan to be. Like we all have our own (laughs) definition of him. And, you know, he find he finds it interesting because the actual human being of Billy Corgan in Chicago, Illinois or whatever, is of no real interest to a lot of people. What they really mm. need is I need the 1979 Billy Corgan. I need the zero Billy Corgan. I need whatever. You right? need the rock star. And, yes. Yep. Yeah. And um, so he has always felt, you know, obviously he's a very intelligent person. So he's always mm. felt somewhere in between everyone's perceived idea of who Billy Corgan is and Mm. and Billy Corgan the entity itself exists somewhere in between all of these very disconnected parts 
So what we, and I think that there's this age of technology that we have to accept the fact that our identity is much more than our human form and whether you want to accept it or not, maybe not my life at 36 years old, but certainly mm. a 15 year old's life is very much or mostly uh, wrapped up in Instagram or social media or whatever. They exist like there is an existence yes. there. And, you know, five years ago, I would refuse to admit that. I was like, that is all fake. It doesn't <laughs> exist. But their social circles are very much mm. wrapped up in that whole entire thing. So we have now reached this time in our evolution where our identities and our existences are not just human. They're not just matter. They're, um, mm. There's some idea that exists around us. There's people's perception of us. There's our perception of ourselves, And then there's also whatever we curate our digital lives to be. You know what I mean? It's like you, mm. you clean up that corner of the room so that that corner of the room can look beautiful and you can put it on Instagram. Or you can get rid of all of the mess and only show people what you want to show them. Or, you know, all of the different things that people use social media for. Our identity is now mm. this very disconnected, confusing thing that our human forms become more curators of as opposed mm. to the actual entity itself. So Billy and I talked at nauseam about this uh, idea. So what we wanted this illustration to be was this this form of his own identity doesn't really exist. And there's something else there. Like he may be ashamed of himself, but there is a much mm. bigger, better face that he is showing the world, you know, and even looking at it right now, I'm looking at it like, you know, maybe the wings represent that there's a lot more power than that person realizes they have, but their hands are cut off and their torso is cut mm. off. And, and whatever is the actual them has been lost in this whole composition. So um, I would say that there isn't one very specific meaning for this. There is definitely mm. there's plenty of room for interpretation for this cover. But of course, as all good art is, it's like that is kind of the point of it all is like, yes. I would love to hear everybody's opinion on what they think this cover is, because I can't even give you the answer <laughs> completely. I know what it is to me. And, you know, and, and I've been dealing with this, you know, my kids are very young now, but I think about when my kids are older, like, you know, where is their identity going to be? And is it going to be floating yep. somewhere in space? Um, or is it just that human form? Um, and I, and it's, it's been a very hard time for me to accept the reality that, you know, of course, I'm sure everybody's watched a lot of black mirror and all these different crazy things that can happen, but it's just <laughs> the idea of like, we know like all the trappings of this technology, but we can't avoid it. Like we're all just part of this, no. this cycle. And, um, so I feel like the figure on the cover is just kind of lost in between all that. There's something very strong and powerful there, but um, I can't tell if the strong and powerful stuff is all synthesized or if it's actually real. Well, it's it's an incredible piece of piece of artwork, and uh, you know, for me, it has glimpses of the past. You know, amazing elements. It's sort of got the light display a bit like Pink Floyd, but it's got you know this this vibrancy and this color, and juxtaposed with this fragmentation that that you've just described. It's 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 an incredible thing, and it's once again another element that I love about art design. I love it when artists put the, the titles on front cover, but I also love it when they have a very clean cover that has no album title and no name on the front. And I think that that sends a very strong message in itself. And so I love that album cover. And I think the Smashing Pumpkins have been, the last few albums have been fantastic. You know, Oceana, Oceana to me is a masterpiece that sort of got neglected because it was just Billy and Co. Where this is, this is sort of bringing it all together, and it's got most of the original band members 
um, yeah. back to it. So it's sort of it's sort of bring it all full cycle for those guys, which is which is amazing. And and I've got to ask, is there going to be a volume two? Because I dislike it when they have a volume one, but there's no volume two. Um, I have no idea. I mean, Bill, and I don't know if Billy knows for sure. I I can tell you that they have an insane amount of music. Um, if there is a volume two, it may not be music. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there yeah, might just be more cool. like mu- multimedia type of stuff attached to this whole entire mm. movement. But um, yeah, I mean, they have catalogs and catalogs. I might even... I don't want to miss misspeak, but they may have hundreds of songs that are ready wow. to be released. That's it's just, I, it, it seems like they just have an insane library of music they've created. But, you know, as we heard this record, Rick Rubin produced it. And as we were hearing yeah. the record, it became like, I felt convicted to make sure that this artwork was very epic and, and mm. huge. This record is a, is a masterpiece in my mind. It's like, it's so great. This record is so great. And I just wanted it to feel just so huge and so masterful and whatever. So it was, uh, you know, well, what's funny about this too, is we actually did the album cover or the uh, ad mat, the tour poster for shiny and oh so bright, the tour, we did that first. So that almost wow. set the tone as far as like, mm. you can see a little bit more of that deco stuff with that tour poster. But then that kind of informed what we were going to do for the album cover. So that was a weird one where um, a tour poster came before an album cover. That's very cool. That is very, very cool. And I don't know about you, but I am even more in love with the Smashing Pumpkins and Weezer. Okay, it's probably going to be hard for me to be more in love with Weezer than I already am. But you know what I mean after hearing about those album concepts for Shiny Oh So Bright and the Black Album. So where to from here? Well... We move on to the upcoming Angels and Airways album artwork that Brandon is working on right now. What's it like designing for Tom DeLonge? And we'll find out why Brandon loves Rage Against the Machines, Evil Empire, Death Heavens, Sunbather, and other classic album designs. So check out the next and final episode in Brandon Reich's series on Undercover's podcast. Vibe. Machine.